Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for reminding us of the mercy and grace and goodness of the Father and how we get to sing about it every week, every day, and we get to breathe it in. Amen. We're breathing in His grace. We're singing out His praise, and we're here today. So, Jenny, thank you for modeling that clap. Come on, let's just clap right now. Yeah, she was ready. She was ready. I feel ready with you. Well, we honor you. We're glad that you're here at church today. It's already been a powerful day. I hope it has been for you. But maybe on the way you got into an argument, you got cut off. It's been a struggle. Kids have been going crazy. Let me just say really quick right now, come on, take a breath and just look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it. It may have been a crazy, hectic morning, but you made it. You may have gotten here late, but you made it. All right. You may have had a hard week. But you made it. If you're watching this online, come on, you made it, and God wants to speak to you today. So I pray that this would be a distraction-free moment for your mind. We rebuke the enemy. He has no power in this place, and we're going to lean in, and we're going to grow deeper into the Word today. Amen? Amen. Well, we've been in this series that we've titled, Deepen, Moving Past the Surface, that here at Walk Church in the month of January, we're being very intentional to say we're not going to be content and comfortable in the shallow end of Christianity, that we're not going to just be, we're not just going to say, you know what, hey, here's who I am as a Christian. I don't go deeper. I don't go further. I just stay in the surfaceable way. We're saying, no, no, that's not who we are at walk. It's not who we are going to be. We're going to say, you know what, God, take me beyond that this year. Help me to grow a little deeper Help me to move beyond the surface. And so that's where we've been at for the past couple of weeks. And I pray it's been helpful for you. In week one, we talked about how we need to deepen our connection. And we, we symbolize that through internet and Wi-Fi, right? We want to have clear signal. We don't want to have choppy signal. Whenever it takes, takes two seconds for something to load, we get frustrated, amen? We want to have a clear connection. I want all five bars or however many there are, right? I want to go straight to God. I don't want to wait, I don't want to get caught up in the different waiting zone. I don't need a buffering circle. I want to get straight to God. Well, here's what the Bible tells us. We deepen our connection with God through prayer. We grow deeper with God through prayer, and we disconnect from the world through fasting. And so right now, our church is on 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're, this is your first time here at Walk Church, like Pastor Joseph said, we are honored that you're here. We welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And we invite you even now to join us on 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're pushing out a prayer point every morning and we're leaning into prayer and fasting together. And if you broke your fast for some reason last week, check this out. Start today. Pick it right back up. Come on. There's grace for you. Start today. We went from deepen my connection to deepen my community. I really believe that if we're going to grow deeper in our connection with God, he's going to make sure that we grow deeper in our connection with each other. So deepening connection with God leads to deepening community. That we don't want to just have shallow, serviceable community. Come on, you can have that in the world. It's not going to last long. It's not going to go far. You're not going to experience freedom in those type of relationships. What does it look like for you to say, this is my community, and we're going deeper this year? We're going deeper in our friendships. We're going deeper in our one another. We're going deeper in our love for each other. We're going to deepen our prayers for each other. We're going to deepen our confession toward each other. We're going to really walk this Christianity out. Amen? Like, I don't want to just see it here in the book. I want to see it here in my life, in our church. 
we're deepening our community. Amen? Amen. Well, on this third installment of this Deepen series, Deepen Connection, Deepen Community, I began praying, Lord, what's the next area you want our church to grow deeper in? And I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to make sure that this was what the Lord had for us. And I really sensed the topic that I'm about to share with you is a topic you may be surprised by, you'll probably be convicted by, and you may even feel like me, you might feel like, oh man, I really felt like the Lord wants our church to go deeper in generosity, deeper in generosity. Amen. We even got some claps for that. That was, that was impressive. I didn't think there would be any. I was expecting moans and groans. So I'm grateful that there's even some people here today that are saying, you know what? God, take me deeper in my generosity. I believe the watching world in Las Vegas and around this nation and the nations needs to see a church that is not stingy, not cheap, not penny pension counting, but a church that is generous, that the Bible calls his church to be generous people. From Genesis to Revelation, God expects for his people to be an expression of his hands and mouth and feet, and for us to walk generously. So we're going deeper this year in our generosity. The word deep by definition. Remember, I shared this with you each week. Deep means to extend far down from the top or surface. If you're, if you're open to going deep, if you're willing to go deep, if you're wanting to go deep, it means that you're going to go beyond the surface, be on the surface in your relationship with God. It can't just be a show up on Sunday and then leave and then come back next Sunday. That's a surfaceable relationship with Jesus. He wants to take you deeper. He wants more of you. If you want to go deeper with one another, it can't just be a high bye. It needs to be deeper in community. If you want to go deeper in generosity, it's going to cost you something. But I've come into agreement with the Lord that whatever it's cost me has always been worth it. And that I've found more freedom. I've unlocked more grace. I've unlocked more blessing in my life through generosity. Let me give you a definition for generosity. Generosity by definition, I love this three-word definition, readiness and giving. The reality is there's a lot of us here in the room and watching online. We go through life like this. Clenched fist, closed. We're not ready to give. And because we're not ready to give, we're not generous. But to be generous means, no, I'm ready to give. I, I walk through life like this. I walk through life like if God says give it, I'm already ready to give it. Because I'm under the reality that it's his anyway. Another definition from the Oxford Pocket Dictionary is to show a readiness to give more of something. As money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. The reason why I like the word generous for this series is because generous, by definition, means deeper. Like I almost titled this message, Deepen My Giving. But see, giving by itself is not generous. You could give and still not be generous. Giving has to do with the heart. Giving has to do with the readiness. Giving has to do with saying, you know what, I gave, I'm going to give a little bit more. I might just turn back around and give a little bit more. I might give some more money, some more time than is even actually necessary or expected of me. 
deep in my generosity. I believe that this is a room full of enough power and resources that if we all got serious about deepening our generosity, we would make a splash in a real way. Amen? We really would. It would be felt. It would, it would, it would jump on to other people. They'd be like, what is that? That's generosity. That feels good. I don't know about you, but I tend to like to be around generous people. I, I struggle with stingy people. If that's you, I love you. I do. I'm grateful for you. And God's going to work on you. And he's going to make you more generous. Because at the end of the day, he's going to make you like himself. Come on, think about all the things that God has been generous with just today alone. Did you even ask God to wake you up today? Maybe, but probably not. Did you even ask him for the first breath that you breathed this morning? Right? You probably woke up and just thought it was expected. No, God was being generous to you. Right? Amen? He was being generous. He got you through it. The fact that we're here and we're breathing and we're looking, it's God's generosity. Did you ask God for forgiveness? No. In fact, Jesus died for you before you were ever born. He was being generous before you existed. And so the grace of the gospel is we get to receive it. We receive his generosity. The gospel is good news. We receive his grace. So I want us to go deeper in generosity because that's how our father operates. And we're his hands and feet. So we go deeper with him. One of my favorite verses of scripture is found in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 11. And we find the proverb writer Solomon share it like this in verse 24. He says, one gives freely. In fact, let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three, go. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. In this text, it reminds me that it's when we give, the more we get. This is countercultural, right? The culture that we live says, hey, get all you can and can all you get, right? And don't tell nobody and definitely don't give it away. The Bible says actually the person who gives freely, the person who's generous, the person who's ready to give, oh, that person's getting more. Now, you don't give to get more because God knows your motivation. In James chapter 1, Jesus' brother James says that type of motivation won't fool God. But people that go through life freely ready to make a difference, freely ready to give, freely ready to be generous, God says, you're just going to grow richer, richer in your joy, richer in your life, richer in your peace, possibly richer in your bank account, but it's just going to get richer from here. But the person who withholds, this is challenging, what he should give, you might know, hey, I should be tithing. I should be giving. God put it on my heart to help somebody. I know I should do it, but I'm going to withhold it and hope I forget about it. God says, you're just going to only suffer from being in need. You're just going to suffer want. I want to give freely, and I want to grow in generosity, amen? What if all of our church said, we're going to buy into that? I like how the message translation translates Proverbs eleven twenty four. The message is a Bible translation that's really a paraphrase, thought for thought. It's not a literal translation, word for word, but the thought for thought translation is helpful in this case. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Amen? The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. When I think about life and this one life that God has given us here on earth, and then we get to live again in eternity, hopefully in heaven, 
But if you don't know Jesus, that's not your destination. But you can know him today, amen? Get to know him today. Don't miss that. That might be the most important thing I said. In this life that God's given us, I want it to just keep getting bigger and larger. I want the playground of life that I play in to be really big. And God says, that's how it happens. It's not about getting more and more stuff. It means that, man, this, this world that I live in is getting larger and larger because I just keep getting more and more generous. But when I am stingy, when I hold it all to myself, when I'm not willing to be generous, when I'm not ready to give, what happens is it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you wind up in your old age by yourself with a whole bunch of money only to die and give it to somebody else. You might as well start giving it away now. You might as well start maximizing it now. The proverb writer also says, a righteous person stores up an inheritance for his children's children. You've got to start being generous now for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren. God's saying, hey, you're storing it up for somebody. Don't give it to a bank to take it away. Start blessing people today. Don't wait till you get there to start get, being generous. Come on, amen, be generous today. God has a lot to say about finances. As I was preparing for this message, I was feeling funny. You know why? Because people get funny when it comes to money. Have you ever heard that? (laughs) Even right now, there's a little bit of attention in the room, and I, I totally get it. I can count on this one hand the amount of times I've preached on money in the life of our church. So in over five years, it's been less than five times I've devoted a sermon to the, to the topic of money. So just in case you're thinking, here we go, came to church, talks about money, of course. Let me go ahead and rebuke that right now because that's not the, the, the desire here. And when I began preparing for this sermon, I just want to let everybody know, it wasn't a specific person I had on my mind. It wasn't like, ooh, I hope this person comes to hear this message. That was not the motivation. The motivation says is, is simply that God wants to take us deeper in this. Amen. God wants us to, he wants to enlarge in our world here at Walk Church. He wants to enlarge in our, our capacity. He wants to take us deeper, friend. He does. And it's not like we're not spending money, amen. It's not like we don't know money here at Walk Church or here in America. Look at some of the statistics I recently read about. I read that $41 billion a year is spent on gambling. $41 billion per year. That's a lot of money going out, amen? That's a lot of bread to gamble. Now, I'm not going to get in an argument with you here today on whether gambling is right or wrong, etc. I'm just saying that money's going. Not only that, but I found that On this past Black Friday in 2020, $5 billion was spent online in a course of 24 hours, which is a record-breaking total. People are spending money. That this past year was a record-breaking Black Friday with $5 billion. That's a B. Everybody say B. Right? I read another statistic that I felt like was startling. 
$14 billion was spent this past year alone on the presidential election. That's just a lot of money flying around. And so I realized, you know what? Jesus has something to say about this. That this book is actually filled with content, wisdom, and resources on money. As I studied this topic, I realized that there's a few hundred verses in the Bible on prayer. There's 2,000 verses in the Bible on money. In fact, one out of ten scriptures in the Bible deal with the topic of financial resources. There's 16 parables in Jesus' ministry that are documented in the New Testament that Jesus tells a story with a spiritual principle that has to do with financial stewardship. 25% of Jesus' teaching had to do with money. What I realize is Jesus talks way more about money than I do. I'm not even following his lead and his standard. Jesus was kicking me in the butt and was saying, hey, get, get comfortable talking about this stuff. We don't, we don't have to, but Jesus is talking about it, and he says, I got some wisdom on how to set people free. That this is a sermon really on freedom and going deeper in our generosity, and it's okay to lean into it. It's okay to talk about it. Amen? So that's what we're doing here today. I want to illustrate the, the title of this sermon, Going Deeper in Our Generosity, with a story that I find in the New Testament featuring Jesus Christ himself. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you right now to turn with me to Mark chapter 12. If you want to log online, go for it. But praise God, we got it for you on the screen as well. Amen. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, ready. If you're hungry for the word, say, let's eat. Let's eat. I'm a, I'm a visual learner. I have, when I read it, I have to try to see it. I try to envision it. So Try to put yourself in the text and have the Lord speak to you here today. Starting in verse 41, Mark chapter 12. It says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. What a word, amen? What a picture that the gospel writer Mark wants to record for us to get better to learn from, to lean into today. As I read that, I said, oh man, she wanted to go deeper. There's something about this poor widow that captured the heart of the Father that caused Jesus to lean in and pull up. And I think that we can learn from her today. I, wanna, I want us to read this passage and learn with a few uh, prop illustrations. I'm going to go ahead and move my pulpit here back a little bit, and I want to illustrate this with a stool. As we look at this text, and starting in verse 41, here's what I notice. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people. Let me highlight that phrase, watch the people. This messed me up when I was reading it. 
while reading this passage, I felt intimidated. Can I just confess that to you? I felt like, am I being watched? And Jesus said, yes. Right? I want you to just envision this. I'm going to go ahead and pull this off right here. It's going to make somebody feel awkward, but it's okay. We got our handy-dandy tithing offering bin. Amen? <laughs> like, I love how y'all clapping for it. It's so pretty, pretty in, in space gray. And I just imagine, as I read this text, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. Now, in the Old Testament, you'll find in the temple that there were 13 different offering treasury bins. When you went to bring your offering to the temple or the synagogue that you were a part of, in this case, the local church that you're a part of, they would have 13 different offering bins laid out. One of those offering bins was for your tithe and offering, your tithe and contributions. God had this Old Testament principle in place that everybody would give a tenth, that's what the word tithe means, tenth, of their income to the local congregation they were a part of. And it wasn't an option, it was an expectation. And it wasn't the only offering that was given. There was a a, a, a forgiveness, a sin offering, a guilt offering, a thanksgiving offering. One of those baskets was called the tithe and offering basket. And Jesus says, you know what? Disciples, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to pull up here. And I'm just going to watch people. You guys, does anybody ever people watch? Yeah. Come on, some of y'all do it at church. Y'all need to repent of that, right? <laughs> some of y'all are like, man, I've just been watching everybody in here. Who's... Why is she worshiping like that? Why? Why is he looking like that? Man, what's going on here? So I'm grateful for some of y'all in the front row. Y'all like, I'm not even seeing nobody. I'm just, just locked in, amen? But no, everybody, praise God for you. But hey, less people watching. Come on. M- more word watching, right? More, more Jesus watching. Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to watch some people here. And so he starts watching the people putting money into the offering box. Some of these people didn't know who Jesus was. It had to have been weird. Had to have been intimidating. He's just watching. But then there's this moment, right? There's this moment that, that, that stops Jesus in his tracks. He is moved with compassion. He's moved with faith. He's moved with optimism. He calls his disciples, right? It says, putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, which he doesn't condemn, which is great, which they should do, which they're doing their duty, right? But they don't move Jesus to stop, right? But then a poor widow comes and puts in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. Two of these little coins equals a penny, the penny that you and I probably would like be like, ah, it's not even worth picking up. Right? This penny is what she had. And Jesus calls his disciples to him and says, teaching moment, this is a lesson. I have something to illustrate. And he says to them, truly I say to you. When Jesus says truly, he's just making sure that this is true, all right? He's the truth. And this is a truthful lesson. He says, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Jesus is saying, hey, this poor widow, and I want you to think about this person. She's poor. She doesn't have much. She's a widow. She no longer has her spouse 
to provide for her in this culture would have been devastating. We don't know if she has community in her life that's helping her. The trek, the the journey to probably even get to the place to drop in her offering would have been hard. She probably walked. She didn't take an Uber, right? She, she, She got there somehow. She's older, she's dirty, and she's there to worship through generosity. Here's why I'm here. I'm here to give. I'm here to bring a blessing. I have something to bring. What you got? I got two half of a coin. But this is what I got. Jesus is so moved, he calls his disciples and he says, watch her, watch her, watch her. She's a big deal. I'm sure they were like, what's so big of a deal about her? Here's what she did. For they all contributed out of their abundance. Jesus, again, is not condemning it. He's actually affirming it. They contributed out of their abundance. They had a lot of money. They were contributing. But something about her, she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. Can I just highlight that for a second? That out of her poverty, she said, I'm still going to give. I'm going to confess something to you. And it might be convicting. It might be hard to hear, but just give me some grace and just hear me. I have heard so many excuses and justifications in 2020 as to why people stopped being generous. I, got, I lost my job. Uh, unemployment never called me back. Um, I'm going through a tough time. I had to buy the new Jordans. I'm, I'm like, what? Uh, all types of different things. The thing I love about her is she said, I am poor. This is my giving out of my poverty. If you wait till you get a bunch of money to start giving, you'll never start giving. You won't. I promise you. I've never seen it happen. If you're not doing it now, you won't do it then. But she says this. Hey, listen, I'm going to start now. You only got two coins. You're going to give it? Yeah. I'm going to trust the Lord with it. I'm going to trust him with it. The thing that's so bizarre about giving is that it requires faith. It requires a God dependence that he has to show up. When you come here and you don't give, you, don't, you, you could give just enough Jesus to not know him at all. Right? You might know how to play the game of church and check the right boxes and say the right things and say hi and say bye. But if it doesn't ever cost you anything, you may not need God at all. But what if we came in here today and said, I want to get so generous, it's going to have to take God to show up. God loves that because he loves to show up. She gave everything she had, all she had to live on. I hear people say, man, I got to live, bro. I got to live, bro. Got to pay my bills, bro. I know, you also got to honor God too, bro. (laughs) And then sometimes I hear people say, well, how come God's not honoring me? I always say, do you honor him? First off, God's honoring all of us by letting us breathe, right? That's facts. He's given all of us way more. Everybody in this room is rich globally. I mean, big rich. Every single person in this room globally. If if we were to just compare ourselves to some of our brothers and sisters in global contexts or even in certain parts of our city, 
we would say, wow, we're a lot richer than we realized. We're doing a 21-day fast. Our fast, for a lot of people, is their reality. Know that, right? She says here, look, I got to give. I got to bring something. I got to bring a blessing. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Where your treasure is. The word treasure here in this text is synonymous with money. Where your money is, where your checkbook is, where your credit card balance is. Where that is, it's where your heart is. I would say if you don't give, your heart's not with the Lord. If you're not giving the kingdom work, you don't have a kingdom heart. Your giving is actually an x-ray picture to where your heart is, according to Christ. In fact, Jesus tells us that not only is this a heart issue, this is a blessing issue. If I were to ask everybody in the room today, who all wants to live the blessed life? I bet you everybody would raise their hand, including me. I'd put both hands up. I want to be blessed. Well, check out what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts 20, 35, the apostle Paul is recounting something Jesus says. He says, in all these things, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, come on, say it with me, ready, go, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, it's more blessed, check me out, if you want to go deeper with your blessing, oh man, come on, finish it for me, you got to go deeper with your giving. I almost titled this message, you won't start living until you start giving. Come on, right? What if we said today, I'm going to start giving, not because I have to, but friend, because I get to. I want to tap into the larger. I want to tap into the freedom. I want to tap into the more blessing. He says it's more blessed. It's more blessed. People have this lie from the devil. If I really start giving, I'm going to be less blessed. Who told you that? It couldn't have been Jesus. It couldn't have been. Actually, Christ himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I feel like the older I've grown, the more I've realized this is true. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the apostle Paul says, Dear Christian, grow up. <laughs> Put away childish ways. Men of God start acting like men of God. Women of God start acting like women of God. Teenagers of God start acting like teenagers of God. Children of God. He says, I, when I was a child, I thought like a child. Do you know how my children think? I love my children. But they think, me, 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 me. What'd you get me? You got something for me? I know you got something for them, but would you get something for me? That's how a lot of us think. We show up for church and we think, me. Well, it wasn't really the song that I liked. The sermon was all right today. It wasn't really my favorite. It's all right. You know, we think like that, right? What, do you ever think, well, what did I bring? What did I give? The greeters weren't too friendly today. Who'd you greet? <laughs> my bad. All right, I'm done. I'm done. My bad, my bad. Yeah. We gotta, well, let's show up and bring something, not just... That's what it looks like to go to the next level in your, if you're going to go deeper. If you're going to go deeper, remember... The series is titled Deepen. We're going beyond the surface. It's going to cost you. Like, I want to blow up the thought that, like, hey, this is just comfortable Christianity. We just come and we play church. We play house. 
we'd know what to do. No, we don't do that here. This might not be the right church for you. If you're looking for that, it's probably not going to be here. You're going to feel convicted. <laughs> Praise God, conviction draws us closer to Christ. The Holy Spirit does the convicting in us. Jesus says, more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus is looking at our stuff and he's saying, he's watching, he's, he's watching us. He's literally watching us and he's saying, every week you walk past that bin and you know it. Or every week we do a generosity thought here at Walk Church, we do. Every week we have a moment carved out in our service where we talk about generosity and maybe that's the week you go to the bathroom <laughs> or maybe that's the time that you scroll. And I just want to tell you today, Jesus is watching the text tells us he's watching all of us. I like this quote from this commentator, George MacDonald. He was writing on the topic of generosity. He says, when we feel as if God is nowhere, he's watching. He's watching over us with an eternal consciousness above and beyond our every hope and fear. The Lord is leaning in. He's looking at us. And he's saying, hey, you got paid $10 this past week. Did you give a buck? You got paid $100. Did you tie 10 you got paid $1,000. Did you tithe $100? You got paid $100,000. Did you, did, you did you got paid $10 million? Did you tithe off that? Right, here's what I know. The principle doesn't change the bigger it gets. And let me remind everybody in the room, God is not impressed with our money. We have a God who breathes stars. Like God yawns and a planet's formed. You think he's impressed with our bank accounts? No. He's not moved by our green pieces of paper. They're not that big of a deal. In fact, all of us are going to have to give it away someday. All of it's going to burn up someday. You might as well start being generous now. Make a difference now. Start tithing now. Say, God, I'm going to get in on it. I'm, I don't want to be on the outskirts and just cheering everybody on. I want to get in the game and make a difference. I like how Andrew Murray, the revivalist in the 1800s, put it. He said, the world asks... What does a man own? Christ asks, how do you use it? Right? We like to get uh, enamored by cars and clothes and stuff and more stuff. And it's HD and tr triple HD and 4K and now 5K. It's like, whoa, the new one, the new one. And Christ is just saying, yeah, but how are you using it? Jesus isn't against stuff. Just don't make your stuff your savior. How are you, how are you Using it. R. Kent Hughes, as he commentated on the passage in Mark 12, Hughes says it like this, Money giving reveals the state of the heart as few other things can. Thus, Jesus chose this place to contrast the phony righteousness of the religious establishment with the true devotion to God. This poor widow gave more than everybody else. She was devoted and she wasn't doing it for the like. She wasn't doing it for people to see her, but God saw her. He really does weigh the motives of our heart. I was recently reading in the book of Samuel about Hannah who prayed to the Lord for a baby. In this text in 2 Samuel, we find that she tells us, she teaches us, hey, God is looking at people's motives. God is looking at people's hearts. She's saying, even my son, I want him to be for the Lord. I don't want him just for me. I don't want to just relieve my loneliness with a kid. I want him to be for him. 
The book of Proverbs says that every person's thoughts are right in their own thoughts, but it's the Lord that weighs the heart. Right? Proverbs 21, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Have anybody ever met somebody that's always right? So know it all, always right, can never be wrong. The thought of them being wrong would just be out of this world. I'm just, everything's right, everything I do is right. I sometimes mess people up because sometimes those people that are always right say, you know, and I say, I don't know. They're like, hey, I'm always right, you know, and I'm like, eh, not really. And they're like, whoa, what do you mean? Every way of a, of, a, of a man is right in his own eyes. Hey, pastor, you know, this is why I stopped tithing because, I, you know, I'm right, right? No. The Lord weighs the heart. You might have to reorder stuff in your life. But don't cheat God. Or someone say, hey, you know, Pastor, I don't really give financially, but I do give my time. But this is not what the text is telling us. If the poor widow got all the way there and she said, okay, I don't, I'm not going to give anything. I'm just going to just show up and I'll just, I'll just help move the baskets if they need me. No, no, the thing that, like, and we should give of our time. We should give of our talents, but this is a topic about money. Cost you something. Tithing has always been from Genesis with the king of Melchizedek to Revelation to the New Testament. Tithing has always been the principle of saying, God, you've given me 100%. I'm going to give you 10 back. And, and that 10% is a trust issue, church. I can't tell you how much, when Nina and I first got married in 2011, and we made this decision, we're going to tithe together. It was such a hard deal, remember? It's like, we got to trust God with it. We got to live out what we believe. And, and friend, that had only increased over the years. The, your trust grows. Your trust deepens. Your trust widens. In fact, I was recently having this conversation with my wife, Nina. We actually went on a date night last night. Praise God. Go on date nights. Amen. Um, do what you got to do. If you don't, don't tell me later, hey, man, I've been doing those date nights. That's why I stopped giving. I'm like, no, you missed it. You need to go on like a free walk in the park, all right? Don't cheat God. We were talking because we recently had a milestone moment in our marriage. We, for the first time... Um, this January, a couple weeks ago, we were able to pay off our final credit card debt. It was a big deal, amen? Oh, I appreciate the clap. Praise the Lord. We have been working toward it. We had created a plan. We were putting in some Dave Ramsey principles on financial peace. We said, we got to take the money that God's given us, and we got to push it toward getting this debt off of us. We feel like that was what Christ was calling us to do, and it took us a long time to do it. But I was looking at my wife while we were on a date, and she said, man, I just feel so free. And I said, yeah, well, talk to me about it. Why, you, why do you feel so free with it? And she says, man, you know what? Because now I can give even more. This idea that, you know what? God has given us more so that we can give out more. He didn't, he didn't give us more so that we could just have more. But I love the motivation of Nina to say, you know what? I want to be able to take what we were paying off. Now we can give more. Let's... Who, we need to start blessing. That's the motivation where it says, he who gives freely grows even more richer. The world enlarges. We were talking about this land that we're praying for here at Walk Church, right? We're in contract on a piece of land. 
We're excited about it. We believe this land is, a, is, is anointed from the Lord. We're going to build a sports facility that is also going to be used as a church facility. That's also going to be a preschool. That's also going to be a multi-use launching pad to reach the gospel to the nations and plant churches and all that. And it's going to take a lot of money that we don't currently have. But I love what Nina said last night. I want to be one of the top givers to the land. I was like, come on. Me too. Let's do it. Right? And, and we never sacrificed our tithing on our journey of paying off debt. We just had to sacrifice other things. And so I just want to encourage you, hey, every way of a man is right in our own eyes. We can justify anything. But God knows your heart. He's sitting right there watching everybody. He's got like this scouting report on each individual. He's like, hey, Japper, boop, 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 boop. I like him, right? He's like, hey, Noah, hey, Aline, hey, Dean. He's got all of, the, he's got this like, grid for all of us. He knows our hearts. We're not going to pull a fast one on Jesus. And he says that our hearts are a reflection of our giving. And that should just make us ask some questions about how we're going about the topic of generosity. Amen? I want to close with three applications for each one of these sermons have had an application. A do it from here. What what are we going to do now? They're similar words to last week and the previous week. In the first week, we said commit. Everybody say commit. We talked about committing to prayer and fasting. Last week, we talked about committing to community. This week, we're talking about committing to generosity. Commit to generosity. Tell yourself and tell your spouse and tell your girlfriend or your boyfriend or tell your kids, hey, friend, I'm committed to generosity this year. What that might look like for you is next time you go out with somebody to eat, maybe you slip away and you pull one of those creative moments and you find the server and you say, hey, here's the card, I'm paying. That could be a moment. Like don't wait for the server to come and be like, hey, uh, so are we doing separate checks or whatever? And then you have that awkward like, "Um, what are we doing? What are we doing? Don't even wait. I got it. I got it. Get there, amen. If you can. Or say, I got the next one. I, I recently had that happen to me last week with a, with a friend in the church. It blessed my spirit. I was going to try to beat him to it, and then he beat me to it. No, in fact, you were trying to beat me to it, and then he beat you to it. Well, he beat me to it. Dang it. We were, we were glad. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> one of us was going to get it, though. Come on. Let's start having battles, generosity battles. I'm going to beat you this week. I'm going to bless you more than you can bless me this week. I'm going to honor you. That's something that I see my brother Manu and Tina live out. So contagious. You guys are a blessing. Man. Just want let to let, let Christ shine through you. And so many others in this church. I'm grateful to be a part of a generous church. But you got to commit to it. you got to get committed. If somebody says, yo, why are you so generous? You just, man, I'm committed. I couldn't risk it. I had to get committed. Second, create. Everybody say create. You got to create a plan. Create a plan. Something that Nina and I had to do, we had to get committed to paying off debt. We had to create a plan to do it. Figure out a plan. Maybe your plan is like, you know what, I'm going to grab an envelope. I'm going to write something down on it. It's going to be a goal envelope, and we're just going to make sure we plan on giving to it. We're not going to miss it. Maybe you just write generosity on it because that's your generous envelope. That's your envelope for blessing people. 
and you're always ready to give. Remember, the definition for generosity is a readiness to give. Create a plan. If you have to say no to certain things to say yes to generosity, you're winning. God says, I'll take note of that and I'll honor that. I don't always understand how it happens. I just know he always comes through. The third and final point is start. Start today. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to start. Start with the tithe. Start tithing. And here's what I want to blow up this thought real quick. You might think, yeah, Pastor Hyden, of course you want to say that because that benefits the church. While that does benefit the church, it benefits you more. I want to encourage you to start tithing because it has to do with you and your relationship with God. I really do believe it. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a maturity thing. Let me read it to you out of the book of Malachi, and then I'm going to step off and pray. Malachi chapter 3. The prophetic writer says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you would say, you say, How have we robbed you, God? And he says, In your tithes and contributions. Or some translations would say in your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. I love this phrase, full tithe. I love how the writer says, bring the full tithe into the house. Here's why. Because who likes to get halfway robbed? Like what if somebody broke into your house, and they were like, we're just going to like halfway rob you. You'd still be upset, right? But you robbed me. God's like, hey, look, because some of us will start justifying stuff in our heads. We'll start saying, all right, look, hey, we're not, hey, hey, baby, look, we're not going to do 10%. Let's just do six. And God's like, why are you robbing me? Do you not trust me? When we rob God, it's because we don't trust him. It's because we, we think that our money can save us more than he can. It's, we, we, we look at our money and we say, I need you to get me through this week more than we say, God, we need you to get me through this week. Jesus. And God says, if you can trust me with 10%, I'll make sure you have everything you need. He tells us, bring the full tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Wow. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God's saying, I would love to meet all your needs. I want to meet all your needs. You guys have probably heard me say this before, but I'm a wrestling fan. Me and Ray are wrestling fans, right? And yes, it's real, and don't ask me about it, all right? <laughs> but I used to love watching wrestling. I love the tag team matches. Anybody ever remember the tag team? There's, there's wrestling happen, And then there's always one guy who's like, let me in. Tag me in. I just picture God so often in your life. Come on. Get. If we would just say, come on in, Jesus, he'll come and take care of all the things we're wrestling with. All the struggle, all the heartache, 
all the bills, all the burden, all the, how am I going to, how are we going to, wait, what? I just feel like I can't get through. I can't get by. I need breakthrough. And Jesus is like, tag me. I will take care of your needs. This isn't prosperity, gospel, name it, claim it stuff. That's not what this is. This is saying, I'm taking God at his word. And I'm believing that he's going to provide for me as I trust him with everything that I have. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to do that. My last illustration of those three points, um, it, it comes from a guy that uh, I was reading some of his resources. He's a pastor in California. His name's Rick Warren. Maybe you're familiar with Pastor Rick and his church is called Saddleback Church. And he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. He wrote it for their church several years ago. He thought it would just be a good devotional for his church that they could grow in and grow in their purpose. But God blessed that book and now over 32 million copies of Purpose Driven Life have been distributed all over the world in different languages. It's a really cool story. But Rick Warren was doing an interview and they interviewed Pastor Rick and they said, hey, Pastor Rick, why do you think God would give you this multi-million book-selling idea and give that to you for you to write? And here's Rick's response. He said, you know, I think God gave me the idea because he, need, he knew I didn't need the money. He knew I didn't need it. He knew that I would just give it back. And Rick's testimony is so powerful because what he has done is he's done a reverse tithe. Pastor Rick gives 90% of his income and lives off 10. I said, man, I want to get there. How do we get there? And maybe this year you might say, you know what, I've been tithing, but I'm ready to go to 11%. I don't want the Tithing is the, step, the first step on the journey of generosity. What if you want to go to the next step? I want to give tithes and I want to give offerings. I want to give tithes and I want to go to 12% or 13%. Or I want to make a, a generous gift and pay for this land. Or I want to be a part of this thing. I believe God will honor that in your life. And this is not the reason why I preached this sermon by any means. I preached it because I felt like it was in our deepened series. And we want to go deeper. Amen? Well, let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that, God, you're taking us deeper. And Jesus, I pray that you would bless this sermon and everybody who's watching online and everybody who's here in the room and that we would get serious about generosity. We would get serious about our faith and that, God, we would trust you with our tithing. We would start there. God, we don't have to be great to start. We just have to start to be great help us to start today and if somebody doesn't know your generosity through the gospel I pray today that they would say yes Jesus I need you I receive you I love you I trust you if somebody needs to be forgiven of their sins today the generosity of grace is on display call upon his name he'll save you just say Jesus save me Forgive me of my sins. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I repent of all my sins. I turn away. And I turn to you, Christ. Forevermore. Help me be generous, Lord. Meet all my needs, God. 
I trust you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.